All right, how many are ready for God's word today? You feel like we've already done a lot this morning? Okay, we've done this twice already, so it's good. Open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to share some things, the beginning of a series we're starting today. I'm so excited about the fall this year. I've got so many expectations in my heart because God has been dealing with me about this series, Believing Beyond. Believing Beyond. I'm really excited about this series because I believe a lot of people are going to see their faith rise to a new level. We're going to be teaching faith the next several weeks. And I believe out of this, people are begin, going to begin to rise up, believe God for more, and see God do greater things in our lives. So this morning as we begin this message, let's just take a moment and let's ask the Holy Spirit to teach us today. Father, I thank you for the message you've given me and what you've dropped in my heart now I ask in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. You said he is. Teach us today. Open up our eyes to see what you see. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin this series today, Believing Beyond, there's a scripture that was on the screen a moment ago, and you kind of saw it, but I want to walk through it real quickly. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20, it says this, And now to him who is able... To do exceedingly abundantly. Notice those two words, exceedingly abundantly. In the original writings, they come from one word, and I'll refer to that in a few moments. But it really talks about God's supernatural abundance, God's supernatural working and provision in our lives. Him, God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us, comma, next verse, verse 21, to God be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. What this verse is saying is God does not want us to be limited to what our natural minds can think and what our natural eyes can see. Because God is able by his power to do much more than we can ever think or even ask and it goes on to tell us that God is glorified God receives glory when he does great things in our lives because we don't sit back and say look what I did we say look what God has done so God is asking us to open our hearts today to understand that he can do more than what we are seeing at the moment he can do exceedingly abundantly Beyond that, as a matter of fact, in, those orig in the original writings, I told you about those two words, exceedingly abundantly. They literally mean super abundantly. God's supernatural provision. It means exceedingly out of measure or beyond our ability to measure. So when we ask and we think things, ask, when we think of things and we ask God for those things, God is never limited with man's natural thinking. Now, why is that important? Well, I'm going to start walking you through it today. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus talked about the same principle and used basically the same word. He said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it. How? More abundantly. That more abundantly comes from the same word. It's a superabundance. It's God's ability, God's provision 
in our lives. So God says, as you look at life, you have to learn not to expect only what you can do for yourself. You have to take into consideration what can God do in my circumstances? What has God promised? What will God provide? Let me ask you a question today. If Jesus promised abundant life, supernatural abundance, then why can't we live a life that sees his provision in our lives? If he's promised it, why can't we grasp it? You know, it seems like so much of the religious Christian world today is teaching people how to cope, how to live with our problems. But God's word speaks of a life of faith rather than a life of doubt. God's word speaks of a life that overcomes challenges rather than a life that retreats into hiding. God's word speaks of a life that thrives rather than a life that lives in fear. God's word speaks of a life filled with God's supernatural provision. That's the kind of life that I want to live. That's the kind of life that God says we can live. So how do we get there? I want to give you three things to think about today. The first is a question. I want to begin this series with this question. What do you see? Today, right now, second service, what do you see? Now, if you're, if you're visiting with us today, you're not a regular attender, uh, we're not a loud church normally. We have some people who get a little loud, but we're, we're not a real loud church. But you know what? We are the bobblehead church. Okay? We do nod our heads. If you want to say amen, you can say amen. If you want to say hallelujah, you might shock somebody, but it's okay to do that. But it's okay to be a bobblehead. I agree. We're in this boat together. Now, let me ask you, what do you see today in your life? Life in general, as you look into the next few months, look through the fall to the end of this year and the first of next year, what do you see? What about your family? What do you see? What about your marriage? What do you see? What about your children? What do you see for them? What about your job or your business? What do you see? As you look at life, what are you seeing? You see, the average person in our world today sees what they have, what they think they can do the next few weeks and months or years, and they tend to judge their life based upon their own abilities. But I ask you today, what do you see? What do you see? Now, look if you would at 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. And let me set this up. I don't have time to read the whole story. But in 2 Kings 6, we, we see a picture where the king of Syria has sent his troops to do war with the armies of Israel. And the troops of Syria have set traps for the armies of Israel. And the king sends the army out. They set this trap. But every time they set a trap, God speaks to this man named Elisha. He's known as a prophet. He's known as the man of God. God speaks to Elisha. Elisha goes to the king and says, don't send your armies here. Don't send them there. There's a trap for them there. And several times, the plans of the Syrians have been totally thrown aside because of this man, Elisha. So finally, the king of Syria gets really upset. 
And he calls in all of his main cabinet and all of his main people. And he says, okay, who's the mole? Who's telling Israel our plans? Because every time we set a trap, they go the opposite direction. Who is the mole? For a while it's silent, and then one of his people speaks up and says, there's no mole here. The problem is Elisha, the man of God, the prophet. Because every time we set a trap, God reveals to him what's going on, and he goes to his king, and then they go the opposite direction. Elisha is the problem. So the king of Syria decides, okay, let's deal with this guy, Elisha. Now look at verse number 13 of 2 Kings 6. If you don't have a Bible, the verses will be here on the screen. Verse 13. So the king said, go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. Pause here one moment. Do you ever have situations arise in life and you think the enemy's out to get you? You ever had that happen? Read on. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Verse 14. Therefore the king sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and they surrounded the city. Verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God, now this is Elisha's helper, Elisha's servant. When the servant of the man of God arose early and went outside, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, now leave that verse up there for a moment because I, I want to talk about this. In the natural, this servant wakes up early in the morning. He walks outside with his cup of coffee. He looks off in the distance to see what's going on around him. And he sees this army from the Syrians that surrounded their entire town. A huge army. He sees it. And when he sees the natural circumstances of what's going on, his response is, oh, my master Elisha, what are we going to do? He runs to the man of God and says, what is the answer? What are we going to do with this situation? Isn't that what we oftentimes do when a situation rises unexpectedly? Isn't that what we oftentimes do when we are hit with a problem that we didn't expect? Oh my God, what am I going to do? And we go running trying to find somebody to give us an answer of what we're supposed to do. It's kind of humanity. It's kind of a natural response. What am I going to do? What are we going to do? Look at the next verse. Verse 16. So Elisha answered and says, do not fear. If you go through a scripture, anytime you see a challenge arise unexpectedly, there's always a man of God, sometimes it's Jesus himself in the Gospels, who rises up and in the middle of the challenge says, do not fear. Don't be afraid. It's always God's first response. When I get upset, when I get worried, when I turn around, it's like, what am I going to do? The first thing God says is, stop it. Don't be afraid. But notice what he says next. Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. One of the things that I think God wants every believer to understand comes right out of Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. This is basically what Elisha says to his servant. Don't be afraid because the ones who are on our side are more and greater than the ones who are on their side. Now, let's read on just a little bit further. Look at verse 17. 
And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Open the eyes of my servant that he may see. Now stop here. Didn't he just see? Didn't he go outside and look outside and see the army surrounding him? It's interesting that Elisha prays this prayer. Lord, open up his eyes and let him see. I think the servants standing there thinking, open my eyes. I just saw it. I know what's going on. I don't need to look again. But he says, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Interesting story because when his eyes are open, what he saw was that the enemy that surrounded them was surrounded by God. And God had the situation under control. Now, here's what I want you to see today. As we begin this series, Believing Beyond, if we're going to believe beyond our circumstances, it begins with what we're seeing. It begins with our vision. It begins with our sight. What do we see coming? And notice the contrast in this story. You've got Elisha and you've got his servant. Well, here's, here's what you see. The servant only saw the situation, but Elisha saw what God was doing about the situation. The servant only saw the enemy, but Elisha saw God's army. The servant only saw the problem, but Elisha saw the answer. The servant only saw the obvious, but Elisha saw the invisible. Now, let me stop here just a moment. If you've seen those commercials, I'm sure everybody, if you watch any TV, you've seen it. Have you seen those commercials with Captain Obvious on the commercials? It's some kind of liquor they're, that, they're, that they're promoting. Captain Obvious comes on, and he always says some stupid thing that is so obvious like it doesn't need to be said and they call him captain obvious isn't it true that we go through life drawing obvious conclusions all the time the servant saw what was obvious the enemy surrounding us but elisha saw what was invisible to the natural eye we're going to talk about this today the servant only saw what was temporary but Elisha saw the end of the battle. Now, here, here's what I think. When I read a story like this, my first response is, oh, that servant, he's a dummy. What a dummy. But isn't that usually how we tend to look at problems that arise unexpectedly? Oh my God, what am I going to do? All we can see is the obvious and all the natural things. When God wants us to learn to look beyond what is obvious and see what is invisible to the natural man. So let me ask you this morning. When you look at your life, every area of your life, what do you see? What do you expect? A second thing, look at 2 Corinthians 4. And keep in mind, we're laying a foundation for the next several weeks because we're going to be preaching faith for weeks to come. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if we are to tap into this abundant life that Jesus talked about. This abundant life that Paul wrote about. The, the life of God's provision, God's blessing, God being involved in everything we do. If we're going to tap into this life, we have got to learn to see. We've got to learn to see what's invisible to the natural man. 
we can learn to do this. Now, let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Let me set it up. In the first part of the chapter, Paul's talking about challenges that he's been through. Challenges that he's faced, that he's overcome. And in verse number 16, he says, Therefore, because we've come through all these challenges, because we have this experience that God has never failed us, and by the way, let me ask this morning, how many can raise a hand and say, God's never failed me? Okay, nine people. <laughs> God's never failed me. He's never let me down. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I think the biggest reason people don't see beyond their circumstances is because they give up. Inside, they give up. They accept the circumstances. They say, it's been this way. It's always going to be this way. Things are never going to change. Now, they may have things that they say in faith at church to make everybody feel good about them, but deep down inside, they have lost heart and they've given up. The minute we give up, we begin to lose our side of the battle. Now, look at this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Even though the outward man is going through a battle and we're fighting, on the inside, the Spirit of God is renewing us day by day and we get stronger and stronger and stronger because we see things coming that the natural man does not see. And the next verse, verse number 18, says, For our light affliction, notice those words, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, comma, it keeps going, verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. Now, now pause here a moment. you got to put this together. He said, I'm going through this stuff, but I consider it light stuff. It's not a big deal. Even though I'm having to face it. Why is that? How do I do that? How do I know that God's working? Because I begin to see things which are not seen by the natural man. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, let me give you three thoughts about this scripture, these scriptures, and I'm going to move on. The first thought is, Paul said, our challenges that put pressure on us, the original writing, the word is pressure. The pressures we deal with in life, they are light. L-I-G-H-T. Talking about the weight. It's a light thing. Not a bright thing, a light thing. Doesn't weigh much. Isn't it interesting how we talk about our problems? Oh, I've got this situation. Nobody in the world has ever gone through what I'm going through. I'm just carrying the weight of the world. And man, I'm, the devil's on my doorstep every single day, and I'm trying to find. Can I tell you something? The devil is not on your doorstep every single day. He's got other things to worry about. He's not omnipresent, he's not everywhere at the same time. There are nine people in this room right now who are saying, The devil's on my doorstep. No, he's not. He can't be in nine places at once. See, the problem is we're seeing the situation through natural eyes. Paul said what we're dealing with, our individual pressures, they are light matters if we keep them in perspective. The second thing, he said these pressures we face are opportunities to see God come through in a big way. They're opportunities to see this abundant life made manifest in our lives. And then the third thing he said was, we must learn to see the unseen things 
the eternal things. We're going to be preaching and teaching faith for several weeks because we have got to learn as believers to start seeing life looking through the promises of God, understanding that in every situation, God has a promise to meet that situation, and God's not going to let us down. He's not. But it begins with my vision. What do I see? Paul said we've got to look beyond the temporary things and see the things that are eternal. Now, number three, the last thing. Look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I want to show you a story here, and I'll set it up for you. Jesus has been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's been up there with Peter, James, and John. You know, he's, he's seen in all of his glory by these guys. Well, while that's happening up on the mountain, down in the valley, the rest of the disciples have this man come to them, and he has a son who's possessed by a demon. And the demon's tormenting the kid. And I say kid, he's, he's at least a teenager, maybe a young adult. A demon is tormenting him, and from time to time it throws him down on the ground, and he begins to wallow around and foam at the mouth. And sometimes this demonic force has even thrown him into fire and into water trying to kill him, take his life. So this guy comes to to the disciples saying, can you help me? He's got his boy with him. The disciples can't help him. So Jesus comes down off the mountain and here's this guy and his son and the disciples and all the Pharisees and all the religious leaders and they're having this big debate about this whole situation. And Jesus walks down and says, what's going on here? And so they bring this man to Jesus. And when they bring him to Jesus, the boy falls down on the ground and this demonic spirit begins to torment him. He's rolling around the dirt, foaming at the mouth. And so Jesus starts, with this going on, Jesus starts a conversation with his father. His father is the authority figure in his life. He's the one representing the son. He's the one who's come on behalf of his son. So he starts this conversation. Verse number 21 of Mark chapter 9. Read it with me. It says, so Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? Notice the question. How long has this been happening to him? The father says, from childhood. So at least for several years now, this has been happening to my son. But then look what else the father says. All Jesus asked was, how long has it been going on? Look at the next verse. The father says, and often, often, He's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. So the father goes one step beyond and starts telling him all the obvious, all the things that have happened, all the problems he's living with. He describes the whole situation to Jesus. And then the father says this, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, there's something here every believer needs to understand. God has a heart of compassion. But as we learn to walk with God, sometimes God wants a shift in our thinking where it moves beyond compassion being a motivating factor and our faith becoming a motivating factor. See, a lot of us want God to act in our lives based on compassion when God's wanting to see faith that we believe his promises. So he says to him... If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you would, look at the next verse. 
verse 24. Jesus said, verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. How many of you love that verse? Oh, I love that. All things are possible. All, all, all things, all th- everything's possible. It's, it's great. Every, all, well, we quote that verse over and over. All things are possible to him believe, that believes. But put it back in context. If you look at it in context, this man looks at Jesus and says, if you can do anything, have compassion and help us. Jesus turns the tables and says, no, it's not about if I can, I can. The question is, can you believe I can? Can you look beyond the rolling in the dirt, the foaming at the mouth, the water, the fire? Can you look beyond the last several years and can you see something beyond that? See, what a lot of Christians never understand and are never taught is that Jesus in his earthly ministry was limited. There were times when Jesus went into villages and he couldn't do much because people didn't believe and they rejected him. And yet sometimes we come to Jesus, oh, have compassion. And Jesus is saying, please have faith. Please begin to see beyond your circumstances. Please begin to believe beyond where you are and believe for something greater than what you receive naturally. Believe for divine intervention. It's interesting as I think about this story, the disciples had failed. This father had lived with this problem with this son for years. He was heartbroken. And he's spilling out all this junk. But Jesus stops in a moment and says, you know what? Your vision needs to change. Your faith needs to change. You need to begin to see things that you've never seen before. Look at the next verse, verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now I think the dad was desperate to begin with. But when Jesus looked at him and said, all things are possible if you can believe, something broke inside of him, he began to weep. And he prayed this prayer, look at the prayer. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Why did, why did this man come looking for Jesus? Because he, he believed. He believed that Jesus could. But when he arrived there, he wasn't sure if Jesus would. It's amazing how many of us look at the promises of God and we believe he could, but we're not convinced he will do it for us. And we see our circumstances and we see all the natural things that surround us But we never move beyond, begin to see new things because our faith is limited by unbelief. See, I think if I were to put it in today's verbiage, I think this man said, Jesus, I'm trying. I don't know what else to do. I mean, I've come here doing all I know to do. I've come doing my best, but please help me to overcome my unbelief. The thing that changes our vision is when we begin to pray and say, God, I believe, help my areas of unbelief. Help the areas where I struggle. 
Everybody look at me. Everybody in this room has an area where you struggle. Help me with my unbelief. Why do people, I'm almost finished, why do people refuse to pray that prayer? Why? Why do people refuse to pray that prayer? See, I've preached on this topic many, many, many years. Going back close to 40 years, I've preached on this. It's always been interesting to me. How many people, when you ask them to pray this prayer, it's like, oh, no, 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 I, I believe God, I believe God. You know, you know why it is? It's pride. We don't want to admit there's an area of my life where I'm struggling with faith. And then there's some faith people who will shame you if you're having a struggle of faith. Jesus looked at this guy and said, you need to change your vision. You need to change your faith. He prayed the prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Can I step beyond my pride and my religiosity to come to a place where I ask God to change my vision and open my heart and let me see things I've never seen before? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. The one thing that limits our vision as believers is unbelief. When we stop believing God for the things that he's promised, it limits our vision and all we begin to see are natural things. And if we're not careful, that unbelief begins to spill into other areas of life and dominate every area of life. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. As I conclude today, some of you are wondering, well, why would you share a real straightforward, pointed message to start the series? Why would you do that? Can I be honest with you? because I care about you because here's what's going to happen you know the scripture says the just shall live by their faith you're going to live by what you believe and what you don't believe your life is going to be filled with the things you believe and the things you don't believe your life's going to be void of those things I want every person in this room to experience all of God's blessing, everything that Jesus paid for on the cross, all that God has called our inheritance. I want every person here to experience all of it, but it begins with believing God to work beyond what we see with our natural eyes. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Looking ahead, I want to ask you today, what, what do you see? What do you see? See, some of you are sitting there right now and the Holy Spirit's digging at your heart and you're realizing God has more. Yes, he does. God has more. We want to pray that prayer today. Lord, I believe. Help me. Help me. Help me accept all of your promises. Help me claim them and grasp them as mine and make them my own and embrace them. I believe. Help my unbelief. What do you see today? Does your vision need to change? Do our eyes maybe need to be opened about some things? Do our expectations need to change? Does God have more for you? There comes a time in my walk with God when I must shift my vision from what I see to what God sees. From what I see to what God says is mine. Shift my vision from what I have 
to what God has promised me. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If I can believe what God says, I can have what God says I can have. If I can see what God sees, I can have what God sees. I want to pray for you this morning. And here's what I want to ask you to do. As I pray this simple prayer, right there where you are, all I want you to do is just say, God, expand my vision. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Don't fight him. Don't be proud. Open your heart and let God work. Bow your heads this morning. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for every person in this room today. God, there are amazing people in this room people who believe in you they put their trust in you jesus is their lord and savior but their vision has been limited by a lot of things and regardless what it is that's caused our vision to shrink i ask now in the name of jesus that you begin to open our eyes to see the possibilities and the probabilities and the promises and all that you said you would do. The things we've set on the shelf and said, maybe it's not for me. That All of those promises, we would open our eyes and open our hearts and we would see beyond our natural limitations and begin to see that if you're involved, we can live abundant lives filled with the presence and the power and the might and the blessing of God. Father, as people pray that prayer, open our eyes. Open our eyes and let us see what you see. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody in the house said, so be it. So be it. How many will grab that for yourself today? Will you grab it for yourself? Huh? Will you, will you grab it for yourself? Lord, I believe, help my areas of unbelief. Man, I'm so excited about this series. Over the next several weeks, we've got a couple of Sundays when we've got guests. But except for one of those Sundays... We're going to stay right on this subject, right on this topic. We're going to be talking about faith, the promises of God walking into everything God has for you. I am so excited about this fall. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church today? If so, give my wife a good hand as she comes to share a couple of things before we dismiss. What a great service. So good being in church together today. And just before we conclude, just a couple of final things. You know, last week we had such an awesome Connect Group Expo that happened after our services. And some of the Connect Groups launched this past week. More are launching this coming week. And so we just want to encourage you, if you have not yet picked up a connection guide, be sure to get one today. It's not too late to get hooked up in one of the connect groups in this fall term. They're going to be awesome. God does amazing things in connect groups. So make sure you pick up a guide and just take advantage of that. Plug into a connect group this term. And then also, ladies, she unites our annual women's event that takes place right here in this auditorium is coming up in less than two weeks. And it's going to be such an awesome night. We're bringing in Helen Burns, our guest speaker from Vancouver, Canada. And I just know that God is going to use her to speak into our lives in such a significant way. And you know, one of the things I love about these events 
is that we always see so many women discover relationship with God. So I really want to ask you to think about women in your world who don't yet know God. Maybe in your workplace, your neighborhood, your family. Invite them. Buy a ticket for them. Do whatever it takes to get them here. And I just really believe that God is going to grab their heart and do something new and fresh in their lives. So we've got a table set up in the foyer today. You can stop by that table. You can pick up some of these invitation cards to take with you and pass out to the women in, the, in your world. And you can purchase tickets online, but if you need help with that, you can stop by that table and they will help you there as well. And lastly, at that table, I just really encourage you ladies to stop by there because an event like this takes so many hands. There's so many different areas and opportunities in which you can serve and be part of the team that helps make this event possible. We would love to have you on the team. So stop by that table and you can find out how you can serve and get signed up to serve today, okay? It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see you there. We hope you all have an amazing Sunday. And if you have not yet been to Connecting Point, we hope to see you here tonight at 6 p.m. for Connecting point. Have an amazing week and we will see you next Sunday.